Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. Hi, everyone. This week's episode is just me. So I thought it would be fun to end season four with my first solo episode, highlighting a few of the trends in non-negotiables from our guests, and then why they resonate with me and, and tips around them, how I apply them in my life. So I just want to take a minute to thank you so much for your support this year. It has been so much fun to do this podcast. It's an absolute joy. I get so much Uh, love and creativity out of this. And I hope that we can continue to reach and impact more people in 2023. So one of the best ways we can do that is with your help. It would mean so much if you could take a few minutes to rate and review the podcast. And also please reach out with any guest requests for next year. Enjoy the show. Okay, so season four, we had 19 incredible guests. And while they all had somewhat unique answers to each week's ending question, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey, the themes were pretty clear. So number one was sleep, two, exercise, and three, filling your cup first. So all three of these really resonated with me. And quite frankly, are total game changers and non-negotiables in my life. We're going to start with number one, sleep, as this to me is my absolute non-negotiable and one that I really feel like for everybody is truly the foundation of health and wellness and one that we're learning so much more about over time. So I've taken my sleep very seriously, I would say, over the last few years. I didn't always, but it was really after hearing sleep expert Dr. Matthew Walker on a podcast where I just became so interested in this field of study. And Dr. Matthew Walker is a professor of neuroscience and psychology and the founder and director of the Center for Human Sleep Science at the University of California, Berkeley. He also has a book, While We Sleep, and I'd highly recommend listening more or reading more because it's it's truly fascinating. But I think that we all inherently know that sleep is important, but at the same time, some of us are willing to sacrifice. You know, there was this saying like, I I will, um, I won't sleep until I'm dead. And so some of us sacrifice that. And I think it's really important to understand the why. And so I was blown away by hearing some of the statistics that Matthew shared. And so I'm going to read some of them here just so I make sure that I'm not getting any of them wrong. And so you can really hear the impact that sleep has on our overall health. So Matthew and and team and, and now a body of a lot of experts believe and know that sleep is the number one thing to reset our brain and our body health. So what happens when we're sleep deprived? Dr. Walker did a study where he took a group of healthy individuals and limited them to just six hours of sleep for one week only. He measured the change in their gene activity relative to the same individuals who were getting a full eight hours of sleep at night. And there were two big findings. The first was that there was 700 genes that were distorted in their activity 
by that one week of short sleep, half of those genes were actually increased in their activity and the other half decreased. So those genes that were suppressed were associated with the immune system, meaning that half of these uh, suppressions caused immune deficiency. And then the other genes that were increased were overexpressed. And those were genes that were associated with greater inflammation, chronic inflammation, the promotion of tumors and cardiovascular disease. So a huge effect that's just sleeping one week with just six hours. We also know that a lack of sleep impacts our immune system. So after just one night of four to five hours of sleep, there's actually a 70% reduction in anti-cancer fighting immune cells. And so lack of sleep definitely predicts your risk of cancer. Lastly, not getting enough sleep also has an effect on a cardiovascular system. And if you're getting six hours of sleep or less, there's a 200% increase in the risk of heart attack or stroke in your lifetime. So all these statistics are pretty eye-opening and really made me feel like sleep has to be one of the most foundational important things in my life. So I invested in an aura ring about last year, and you could really use any sort of wearable to help you understand not only how much sleep you're getting, but also the quality of your sleep, because that's super important. So personally, I try to get eight hours of sleep a night, which for me means that I'm actually in bed for about nine hours because I've learned through my aura ring that I am awake for about one hour of that nine hour sleep. It turns out that that is actually totally normal. So most of us are waking up several times throughout the night. Sometimes we don't know, sometimes we do. What's not normal or what's not good is if you are waking up and you're awake for like more than 20, 25 minutes and that's when there could be some issues. But it's really critical to be getting quality sleep, both with REM, which is your dream sleep, and then deep, which is more of the restorative sleep, and really needing both of those in order to perform your best, manage stress, and it actually has an effect on your gut microbiome. So here are my seven tips that I've learned for sleep success, and by no means Am I perfect? But I'm just putting some focus and energy to make sure that I'm getting my eight hours of sleep. So number one is light and darkness. So when you sleep, your body really needs cues in order to realize it's time to go to bed. So it's really critical to keep your room as dark as possible. I have blackout shades, which has really helped, but really eliminating any light. So I can't even have light that's like a crack from the door or if I'm a, at a hotel and there's an alarm, I need to put a pillow on top of it. So I really try to have zero light as possible. I also try to keep the lights in my house pretty dim at night so that, it, you know, a couple hours before going to bed, you know, it's not like all the lights are bright and then all of a sudden I go to sleep. It's, it's bringing me into this state of relaxation. It's also important that when you wake up in the morning, 
that you get outside and get sunlight right away. So this is certainly harder to do now that it's colder out in the mornings, but ideally you should get outside in the sunshine for about 30 minutes first thing in the morning to help with your circadian rhythms. Number two is keeping your room cool. So this is one where it's really important because your body actually needs to drop about one to three degrees in order to fall and stay asleep. So whether that means turning the thermostat down or if you can't control it in your room, getting a fan, opening a window, a crack, there are now even some mattresses that help to cool your bed. And I think I've seen ones that have different temperatures for the two different sides of the bed. So that could be one to, to try as well. Number three is going to bed and waking up the same time each day. So this one I think is hard for a lot of people, especially on the weekends. You feel like you have this extra time and you want to sleep in. But this is one for me that I really try to stick to. And of course, it fluctuates somewhat. But for most nights, if I am sticking to my schedule I go to sleep at around 9 and I wake up at about 5.30. So I am definitely a morning person. This de doesn't need to be the schedule for everybody by any means, but I would just suggest trying to keep to that same schedule all week, whether it's the weekday or the weekend. I know that 9 may sound pretty early to some of you. I'm fortunate, I feel like, to have everybody in my life be on the same schedule, so it definitely makes it easier when other people enjoy an early night and, and a early morning as well. Number four tip is to avoid caffeine with probably around eight to 10 hours before bedtime. You know, there's some people, of course, who say they can have an espresso at night. I don't know how that really doesn't affect your sleep. I'm actually not a coffee drinker and I never have been. So it's not for sleep purposes, but this is definitely a one that I think most people know that if they have coffee later in the day, that it definitely affects their sleep. Number five is not eating or drinking too close to bedtime. So ideally, two to three hours before bedtime would be best. This is one that I actually feel like I can see pretty immediate changes in my aura ring the next day. So an aura ring gives you your sleep score, it, it measures your heart rate, your resting heart rate. And I find that when I eat or drink alcohol too close to bedtime, that will definitely alter. It'll, it will increase my body temperature and my resting heart rate and really interrupt my sleep. Number six, if you need help sleeping, and you shouldn't just jump to supplements, but if you're having difficulty going to sleep, staying asleep, et cetera, try taking supplements. And I would advise to start with one and not jump in with multiple ones at once so that you can see you know, what works and what doesn't work. Typically, I have found that you need to take the supplements ongoing for you know, about a week to really like get it in your system to see, to have it benefit you and work. So a few of my favorites are the Magnesium Breakthrough from BioOptimizers and sleep support from Mind Body Green. Both of these definitely help me uh, stay asleep. I don't usually have trouble falling asleep. My issue would more so be staying asleep, and these tend to keep me staying asleep. 
there's certainly a lot of melatonin supplements and it feels like the jury's out. I hear some experts say that it's okay, while others have said that it actually can disrupt your sleep pattern and that the best thing to do with melatonin is only if you were on like a red eye or something that has really screwed up your sleeping. So I, I tend to stay away from any supplements that have melatonin, but more so ones that are focused on magnesium. And lastly, the number seven tip is creating a nighttime routine. So for me, I have always been someone that gets up early, I have a morning routine, and I never really had a night routine. But I think this one is actually like one of the best tips to start with because I feel like we all need the nighttime to wind down and really be more conscious of how we're doing so. Conscious of what we're doing right before bed and how that affects staying asleep and falling asleep. So a couple of things that I like to do is to take a hot bath or a shower. This actually, not only is it relaxing, but it actually, because of the hot water, your body naturally ends up cooling itself down after the shower. And so it does help to get your body into that sleep state by cooling it down, which is what we said was number two and really needing that one to three degrees to fall and stay asleep. Another area that I like to focus on for my nighttime routine is, is my five-minute journal. So it used to be one that I would only fill out the section of the five-minute journal in the morning, and I never did my night one because I just couldn't find, I don't know, I, it just didn't fit into my day. But now I've been more conscious about finishing my day that way with five minutes of gratitude and thinking about all the wonderful things or that happened in my day, or even not wonderful, but the positive things that happened in the day. And that's been a really great way, I think, to let go of any stress and really turn off all that like chatter in my head, which I think a lot of us probably have that and, and wake up with that. So it's a good way to get out all of those thoughts and really just think about positive affirmations. The other one for nighttime routine that, you know, every expert says is not having screen time. And I can't do this one. Admittedly, I think this is so hard to do. I know we all, you know, look at our phones and I, I'm so guilty of that. And so I am definitely not going to say that I'm not doing that. But experts, of course, say that we shouldn't be doing that. So I do try to limit myself, but... Um, some days it's better than others. So there, those are the seven tips for better sleep and really getting in sleep as our number one foundation of health in 2023. Okay, let's move on to the number two non-negotiable, which was exercise. So this one is critical for me as well. And of course, I want to feel and look great in my body, but the importance of exercise for me is really so much more on the mental side. And there's definitely scientists who believe that exercise is really just about the brain and that the reason that we feel so good when we get our blood pumping is that it makes the brain function at its best. So there is really scientifically evidence of why we feel this way after we exercise. Moving our body actually helps us to feel happier, smarter, more resilient. 
It helps us to learn and, and keep memory. It supports our mental health by literally changing our hormones, by boosting serotonin and dopamine. It makes us more alert and and just honestly feel great. So for me personally, I feel all those things. I also think it brings me clarity, creativity. I usually do some of my best thinking, some of my best ideas come when I'm moving my body. So for me, I, I feel like I've really realized the benefits for so many years of my life that I've been able to develop a daily practice for years now that has now become a long-term lifestyle habit rather than you know a chore that I have to do. So it's a natural thing for me because over the years I've done it over and over and over again. And that's really the goal is to make it become part of your daily routine so that you don't have to think about it and you're not dreading it and it's not like a thing on the to-do list that you don't want to do. So here are a couple of tips to sticking with a routine that's definitely helped me over the years. So number one is to find a workout time in the day that works for you. So for me, I'm a morning person. As I said, I work out first thing in the day and I now know that, you know, there were times in my life when I would put a workout in on my uh, schedule to do after work. And every time I did that, I never worked out. Like I set myself up for failure every time because that wasn't the time of the day where I was energized. And that was kind of the last thing I wanted to do. So making sure that you put it on a calendar or figure out for you what that time of day is and get it to work for you and stick to that time. Number two is actually getting it on your calendar. So I like to plan out my week with my workout because I like to do so many different things and I wanna ensure that it's on my schedule and it's part of my to-do list. So I, I put on my calendar, you know, 7 a.m. yoga or whatever it is, but that really holds me accountable and it also makes me be able to look at my full week and know what I'm doing so that I don't have to wake up first thing in the morning and think to myself, okay, what was the workout I was supposed to do today? Number three is to switch up your workouts in order to stay motivated. Sticking to a workout routine is all about finding workouts that bring you joy and that you really love to do. So I definitely change things up. I try to do about three to four days of strength training, two to three days of cardio, and that could be a combination of hiking, a walk run, a bike peloton, and also one to two days of yoga or Pilates. So anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, depending on the day. But it's all about finding the things that you actually enjoy, and that's what's going to keep you coming back to your workout. You know, I was thinking earlier this year um, in the spring, I had actually signed up to do a marathon, and I hadn't done a marathon in like 15 years. I used to be really into doing marathons and triathlons, and I thought, okay, this would be a great way to challenge myself with something new and set a goal. And as I started to train, I realized that this was so not fun and that I really wanted to not be training. And then at the end of the day, like I like so many different types of workouts. Running is not one of them. And I certainly didn't want to be 
committed to having to run five days a week and then not have time to do all the other things that I enjoy and brings me joy. So I quickly stopped my training and really focused on making sure I was doing the things that I loved and made me happy. So switch it up to stay motivated. Number four is really starting with small increments. If you don't have a a routine and you're finding it hard to get into a workout, like there's some great 10-minute workouts that you can do that if you just set your mindset to say, I'm just going to do 10 minutes, that's you know, easy, easier to achieve, and it can really help to create c- consistent habits because that's the whole key is consistency. So if you can go all week and you can do 10 minutes a day, well, guess what? The following week, you're probably going to be able to do 15 and then 20 and 30. And what is hard one day really then starts to become habit the next. Number five is setting goals. So this could be anything small or large, but I think it's important to aim for something to help hold you accountable. So it can be as simple as I'm going to do X workouts this week. It could also be something pushing yourself even harder that say I'm going to PR in this class or I'm going to be able to get to X amount of weights. But I find that for me, setting those goals really helps to hold me accountable when I might not be wanting to push myself that day and really just energizes me to do more. Number six is finding someone to help hold you accountable. So you got your goal, that's helping to hold you accountable, but it can also be really helpful to have someone to help you with that. And whether that is a friend whether that is a trainer, whether that is a community through whatever workout platform you use, whether it's people at the gym, like really having other people aware of what you're doing can help to reach new levels of uh, fitness. And the number seven tip is don't beat yourself up if you miss a workout. So the reality is we're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. We're not going to be perfect. It's never about perfection, but really just loving yourself and saying, that's all right. I wasn't able to do it today, but let's get back on the horse tomorrow. I will say I love the quote that no one ever, or it goes something like, no one ever regretted a workout after. And I think that's a really good thing to motivate you and remember, because it's true. You always feel so much better after working out. And I feel like when I push myself in a workout, I push myself in the rest of my life. So especially as someone who starts their day this way, it gives your brain the confidence that you can do hard things. Okay, so we're gonna move on to our last theme, which is filling your cup up. So Lauren Brill, founder and CEO of Sweet Lauren, said this so well at the end of her episode, make sure your cup is full, especially as a woman, mom, business owner. And if your cup is full, you'll be able to give endlessly to the things that you love. And really, I feel like I could not agree with her more. And definitely other guests highlighted this as well. So what does this look like? So I actually have a list in my phone called... 
things that make me feel good. And of course, you could come up with a more creative, fun name than that. But the key is to fill your week up with these things rather than those that drain you. So inevitably, we all have things that we have to do that we don't love and that it may suck our energy. But including more things in your day that make you feel great makes it easier to do the things that you don't love. And it makes it easier for you to show up and be the best version of yourself, not only for you, but also for those around you. So there's some things on my list that I turn to if I only have five minutes. There's other things that are definitely lengthier activities, but I'm going to talk about a couple of them and highlight ones that are more important that I need to get in my day than others. So number one is getting outside. So I'm so fortunate to live in Boulder, Colorado, where I have a hiking mountain about one mile. The trailhead is, is from my home. And so on an ideal day, I would start my day out with a hike. And I just know that that instantly makes me feel better. But not every day starts perfectly that way. And so even if, if that just means getting outside for a five-minute walk, you know, one of the wonderful things about having dogs that I've had over the last two years is that it's really forced me to walk in the morning, to walk in the evening and getting outside. And it's like an instantaneous way that I know makes me feel great. Number two is I know that I need to have some downtime and alone time. So I am someone who is an introvert. And, you know, after a long work week where I have been on with the team all week, I know that in order to re-energize myself, I need to take my weekend and have downtime, have quiet time, have alone time. And that's definitely a non-negotiable for me. Number three is creative time. So I, I definitely know that I need to fill my week with some creative time. And that can mean, you know, if I have the time in, on an evening, that could mean making a new recipe and just getting in the kitchen. I find that very meditative and gets my creative juices going. If I have extra time, I'll, I'll take some pictures of it and, and post it on Instagram. But sometimes I, I don't want to do that. And I just want to enjoy it for myself and not have to share it on social media. If I don't have a lot of time, or even if I'm like scrolling on my phone at night, I'll stop myself from being on Instagram and say, go on Pinterest instead, because I actually find Pinterest to be very inspiring and creative. And so it's an easy way to get in a couple of minutes of creativity. Number four is that I've definitely learned that saying no, or yes, but saying no is really important. And that's a reminder that I have on my things that make me feel good, like okay to say no. So I know that, for example, if I were asked to go out to dinner with friends, you know, four nights in a row, I would feel horrible. I know that my sleep would be sacrificed and that I would pretty much be not that useful the following day, you know, if I don't get that eight hours sleep. So I, I know that I need to say no. It's also fortunate, as I said earlier, that I'm lucky my friends here also like to go 
to an early evening. So rather than saying no, a good compromise I have found is to say, hey, I how about we meet for dinner at 5.30 or 6 and not be going to dinner at 7.30 at night. Number five is some of the small things that I like to do. So something like taking an extra five minutes in the shower. And this is one that sometimes just feels so good. So rather than like getting in a shower, quickly cleaning and getting out, I'll stay in there a couple of extra minutes. I have a little place where I can sit in my shower and just use that time to really relax, have nowhere to go, and just kind of pretend that I am in a spa. And I have a a lavender spray that's supposed to be for the shower that like sets up your steam shower supposed to be like. And so I spray that and I sit there and let the water just hit my back. And it's really so relaxing and just a great way to mostly end the night is how I do that. I don't do that in the morning time. So I would do that or I would take a bath and feel those same sort of just quick relaxing vibes. Number six is one that I have gotten into more recently, which is doing the superhuman meditations. So I've had Mimi Bouchard on the podcast, go back and listen to that episode. She is amazing. And she's created these wonderful meditations that you can do while multitasking. You can do by when you're walking or cooking or getting ready, but They're super uplifting and really I found that they are easy to incorporate into my life and have become part of my habits. So it's a great app to use and one that I know will make me feel better and help fill me up. And lastly, number seven. So this is definitely not a five-minute one. This is one that is longer on my feel-good list, which is to travel. And I used to feel like I had so much, I don't want to say anxiety, but I felt like I couldn't ever take a vacation. I felt guilty if I was leaving and wasn't in the office every day. And I really have realized over the last 13 years that Getting out of these four walls and going to see a new place, wherever that may be, is really essential for my mental health, for helping me to have some of the best ideas that I have and really needing to relax and recharge. So all of these things created on my feel-good list definitely help me to feel the best, show up the best make me feel great physically, mentally. And I know that when I don't have them and don't fill my cup up, I know that there's other areas of my life that will suffer, that I can't show up and be the best version of myself. And I know that it may be really hard for some people. It may feel selfish to be taking care of yourself. But I think the reality is, is that it's almost being selfish by not taking care of you first, because that is truly the way to show up in the world and be the best version for everyone in your life. So there you have it. Our top three themes from season four, sleep, exercise, and filling your cup. I hope you enjoy and can't wait for season five. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.